This is The Absurd Journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is The Bless Up Podcast. Alright, welcome back. This is The Bless Up Podcast. We are in the third part of a series. I'm so proud of us for, for sticking with this. Don't don't call it a series, you'll ruin it. <laughs> Here we go. Well, this is this is part three. This is the end. We're doing so. a trilogy, right? We're, it's, we're, it's a trilogy. Yeah. It's a trilogy. three-parter. Yeah. yeah. So we're in permissible versus beneficial. This is week three, mm-hmm. final week, mm-hmm. and we are going to talk about our speech this week. The fact that you can say whatever you want, that is permissible, but is it actually beneficial? And so, yeah, James, you know what? I'm just going to go straight to you. Why don't you go ahead and set us up? Yeah, at the Boys and Girls Club on Snyder, they used to always say, Sticks and stones uh, can sticks and stones can break my bones, but words may never hurt me. And like they were telling us that basically to stop snitching, and then they would say stuff like snitches get stitches. But they wanted us to stop tattling on each other because we were like telling each other as kids, uh, yeah, for really good reason. Like I got put in a trash can by one of the Owens. I won't mention which one it was, but I put in a trash can. Me and O'Brien. We're still salty about because, that. Because odds are, no, no, it's a 100% chance that any of those Owens could still, still put you put in a, a trash still can. Still put us in a trash can. <laughs> so, like, yeah, and put in a trash, you know, Brian, we're in a trash can. Like, yeah, just, but but they they wanted us to stop snitching. So they say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. So I truly believe that until I was in the ninth grade and before that school year, I found out that they had these like air forces in Jordans at this place called Queens off Copley road. It was this corner store and I found out they had them for 40 bucks. So I was like, bet I had my little dairy queen job. So I went there and I got a couple pairs of Jordans and I was like, this is awesome. It was in a Jordan box. It had the paper in it. It seemed real. So what happened was like I wore like the one pair of school shoes I got like to school for about two weeks. And then I was like, all right, I'm about to stunt. I'm about to pull out these fives. So I pulled out these fives and I wore them to school and I was like walking up to the lunch table and like this senior football player just roasted my life. Like the Jordan symbol was pregnant. It had like a pregnant belly. They were fake Jordans, oh. like, and he just, like, did my life in. And then he's like, where you get those, Queens? Queens get Jordans at Queens. And I was like, oh, my, like, he was just baking my, he was baking my life. I don't know how it got from my shoes to my lineup to my waves not connecting is, all the way around. Because he, he got that laugh. Like, once just, you get that, once you get that first laugh, you got to keep going. And you I mean, just got to keep devastating. I mean, it was just you old, like. It was just the roast factory. And that, that really hurt. Like, if I would, like, I couldn't cry in front of everyone, but like, I was hurt. Yeah. The reality is that statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That's stupid. That's not true. <laughs> it, it is. Like, whoever That's a book made of Joseph. That, like, whoever made that up is not true. Like, you can say things to hurt people, you can tell lies that hurt people. Like, there are so many things that we can do with our speech. That actually hurts people. And the reality is, like, our speech, the things we say, the words that we say, is something that can very easily, like, undermine our influence. Mm -hmm. Like, something that can very easily, like, yeah, take what people 
should perceive us as as the people of God and cause them to see something different. Yeah, I mean, I saw I'm blind in my left eye, right? Like I had an injury as a kid. I've had tons of eye surgeries. And then when I was in high school, I injured my back and like was in a back brace and all this stuff. Uh, Also in high school, I dislocated a knee and and was in all kinds of like rehab for that and then in college dislocated the other knee so i have all these physical injuries but i can tell you that once those injuries were healed i've never lost sleep over them Mm -hmm. like it's the stuff that people have said that causes me to lose sleep or has caused me i should say to lose sleep it's the stuff that people have like said about me or about my family or people i love or whatever that's the stuff that sends me into like deep prayer. That's the stuff that keeps me awake. That's the stuff that wakes me up. It's not those injuries. I don't wake up at four o'clock in the morning thinking about, man, that time I injured my back in high school. Like that, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's the things that have been said that wake you up at night. And I know for me, I've absolutely, to be clear, been guilty. Right? Like I've been the one. My like my go to when I'm steaming mad is to think like what is the one thing I could say that will take you out and just end this right now? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the way I'm wired. Very unfortunately, um, and so I've had to do a lot of work on that. And so the check that I now ask myself before I like want to give one of those one line zingers is: Am I healed enough to say this? Mm-hmm. Am I healed enough over this situation? And am I healed enough over this hurt to say this? And if the answer takes too long to come, so if the answer to the question, am I healed enough to say this, takes too much thought to respond to, then the answer is no. Mm. Not healed enough to say what you think you're going to say. Odds are that if you process it a little longer and process through it a little more, you're going to come to something different that you want to say. Man, when I was in fifth grade, it was the first fist fight I ever got in. And I remember it was with it was with one of my best friends in the whole world at the time. Shout out to Corbin. Corbin. My guy. Um he, Shout out uh, to Ja Rule. Man, we got we got in a fist fight on the playground. I don't even remember what we got in a fight over, but we got in a fist fight on the playground and I like I thought I was doing good. I like punched him a whole bunch of times in the face and I thought I thought I was doing pretty good. And then he laid like one really clean punch across my jawline and it like dropped me. And unfortunately, I wish the embarrassment stopped there, but we were fighting on like the side of a hill. And so, like, when I landed, I, like, also rolled a little bit because, you know, it was on a slope. And so it was really embarrassing because, like, you know, I just, the grass was wet. I lost my footing. That's what happened. I'm seeing a whole scene from Mortal Kombat. Nah, right well, now. really, my, the grass was wet and my shoes, they were old. And so, like, they didn't have grip on them the way that, you know, I should have brought my cleats to fight on the side of a hill. I wasn't prepared for the terrain. I'm not going to preach right now, but I wasn't prepared for the terrain. These weren't all weather clothes cleats or shoes or anything and so uh, yeah anyway so so i rolled down the hill and it was really embarrassing everybody laughed long story short like i mean me and corbin were cool like two days later like that's the you know that's my guy and our friendship continued for for a great many years uh and so like 
<clears throat> you know, long after he hit me in my jaw, like the memory of that didn't didn't hurt anymore. But you know what still hurt? When people would just be like, Hey bro, remember that one time Corbin hit you so hard you rolled down a hill? <laughs> like that that hurts. Like <laughs> like dang bro i got like painful memories tied tied to the tied to those words the point being like like you were saying rach just to support that like it's 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 not the uh it's not the physical stuff it's not physical harm that that haunts us a lot of times it's it's the words and the and the things that we like to bring back up continuously in a way to snipe people right in a way to to just cut people i mean is that not exactly what the majority of our of our Twitter feeds and other social mm-hmm. media feeds yeah. look like anymore. It's just any opportunity that somebody has to take somebody who's getting any type of recognition to bring back up, well, let's not forget. And then you say that one thing that can just cut that person back down. And then we 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 hide behind this behind this guise of freedom of speech, right? Right. But we don't realize that we have made freedom of speech an idol. Right. Yeah. We've made it. We've made it an idol. We've made it something that 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 we worship or that we hold to us as closely as we hold as we hold the gospel. Like, well, because because of where I live, because of who I am, because of my identity, because of whatever the heck you want to put it in, like I can say whatever I want and I want people to remember like this certain thing. And we use it in a way that that cuts people. And I think that that when we do that we're participating we're participating in in a dehumanization almost i can't think of mm-hmm. a better word than that but like a dehumanization of our subject like of the person that that we're trying to to cut down and i don't know like how how y'all feel about that i mean you feel free to feel free to jump in here but i feel like that that kind of goes against speech that um that that it goes against the freedom that the Lord gives us to speak. Yeah. And yeah, we can say whatever, right? And that there are times to speak boldly and that the gospel and what we believe empowers us to do that. But man, we really got to be careful with the way that the way that we take such liberties to say whatever we want to say. Absolutely, man. Uh I think about scripture. I think about the spoken word from the very beginning of time being Mm. powerful and having the ability to like create worlds and the ability to tear worlds down. Mm -hmm. God creates everything through the power of the logos word Jesus, but it's a spoken word that creates the worlds and sets them into motion. It's the words of the enemy that tears that down, right? That speaks to Adam and Eve and they take the fruit from the tree. Mm Mm-hmm. Then it's the words of Jesus saying it is finished on the cross and rising from the dead that brings us life. Words have power. In the book of James, what we find is like the tongue like has the power, like our tongue has power. But I think the reality for us is like our tongues are like knives, like but a knife in the hand of a surgeon is a lot different than a knife in the hand of a thief. Like. Yeah. Those are two completely different things. That's a good word right there. So for the people of God, like Mm. our speech can encourage, our speech can speak life, our speech can frame worlds for people. If it wasn't for like prophetic words Mm. and just words of encouragement for people, 
especially like in the COVID season, man, I'd be working at Denny's, homie. Man. Like man. flat, like flat out. But then on the converse, like, I think we don't realize how powerful our words are. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so easy. Uh, the Mars Hill podcast, like if you're around any kind of Christianity at all, I feel like unless you've been under a rock, you've encountered talk about the Mars Hill podcast. And I think like sometimes as Christians, especially Christians who have been around evangelicalism at all, we feel like we need something to hate. Ugh, yeah. Like we have to have something to be against. It's more about what we're against than what we're for. So like, yeah. With the podcast, that just gave us, like, more fuel to be against something. And what we did is we, like, took that situation and we took Mark and we just substituted, like, what actually happened there out. Because what the podcast is actually trying to do is push you into the mystery of how people are having different experiences and shed Mm -hmm. truth and shed light about what happened. But I feel like everyone I talked to, like, what they did is they took, like, their bad situation or their church hurt put Mark's face on it and then just talked a whole bunch of ish like about that situation. It was like a gateway to like speak death into that situation. Yeah. I feel like it became a situation where people began to idolize Mm. even the idea of like, yeah, someone falling or someone doing something that was Mm -hmm. outside of the bounds of grace. And it's wild how that happens. Yeah. As, as Christians, it's, really sad to look at what we've made such a regular piece of our culture you know it seems like everywhere that we look people are looking for something to crucify instead of letting there be once and for all the one crucifixion and resurrection of jesus we're always looking for something different Mm -hmm. to throw up on that cross Mm -hmm. and make our enemy Mm -hmm. when the point was that jesus went to the cross as the final sin offering, yes. and then there was supposed to be no more. And what gets me is there the, the scene that gets painted for us at the crucifixion is all these people shouting curses at Jesus. Right. Right. But who in the end gets <laughs> shamed? Bro. Right. Who in the end gets shamed? Yeah, right. Is it the person you're shouting curses at? Or is it you? Or is it the people who were crucifying the man? Mm-hmm. And I think that that speaks like perfectly to what I was trying to get to with the with the dehumanization word, right? Is like is like we feel this indignation, this indignation in our hearts, and we feel the right to express it. And for all intents and purposes, we do have that right. But the way that we do it can either bring shame or glory. I think of James three specifically. I mean, the entire chapter is 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 about it. But um, but I, I always remember specifically nine and ten and ten, where it says, it "says from the same mouth yeah. come blessing and cursing." Yeah. And these things ought not to be so, right? It talks about the inability of us to tame our tongue. Mm-hmm. I always <clears throat> I always go back to go back to this. There have been. Um, well, there have been many instances where I feel like people have, have prophesied over my life, but there are two that I like really hold on to, right? The first one, the first time I ever had an experience with somebody kind of like speaking over my life, I had been, I had been, uh, you know, uh, a professing Christian for a very, very short amount of time, um, like 19, 20 years old. 
And I remember, I remember uh, this man praying over me and saying that he could see from my mouth a sword. He's like, it's almost like your tongue is a sword. Now, this dude had met me right, like right before this. So he, he didn't know me. And he also ultimately didn't obviously didn't know what I was going to go on to do. Right. And I've held on to that because I can see how in my entire life, how true that has been, how long growing up, I used my tongue as a weapon, right? My brothers were, were much more fortunate for me, uh, than me in the, in the strength category, right? They got all those genes where they could just beat people up. Good for them. I didn't get that gene, right? Uh, as, as you learned earlier in my story, right? I didn't get that gene to just be able to beat people up. So I had to like physically, so I had to like use my words to like tear people down and like make people feel hurt. Mm -hmm. And I can see a pattern of that in in my life and then i also see how that quality of the strength of my tongue didn't change when i became a christian but it got redeemed yeah the if use that of makes it. sense mm -hmm. like instead of piercing the hearts and victimizing people it became like piercing the hearts of unbelievers with the gospel that's a phrase yeah. that's specifically used in acts like i I, I think of it I think of it that way and for all of us we have the ability for the spirit to redeem our freedom of speech. Yeah. We have the the ability for the spirit to use that freedom that we have and use the strength behind the tongue that we have for a you know for a a kingdom building purpose or with that same mouth on the same day that we use it to edify we can also use it to to curse people on the same day that you worship the lord you can go home and while watching football write horrible things about your least favorite team or football player or the Jesus player you want traded or, or the yeah don't even get me started <laughs> shout out to cleveland fans right like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry so, you know, when you talk about the different uses of the tongue and you talk about it as a sword and um, blessing and cursing out opposite sides of the same mouth, like from James, you know, the thing that I think about is, and I've absolutely been guilty of this, um, is when you like are so fixated on something, something is bothering you so much that you feel like I'm going to explode if I don't get this out. Right. And so you call up or text or go hang out with uh, one of your friends and in the spirit of I just need a safe place to vent or in the <laughs> spirit of like, I just have to get this out somewhere or or my personal favorite. I'm telling you this because I know that you'll pray about it. Like, Yikes. you you don't you don't have to take that anger and that venom and that wreckage and all of that and dump it on somebody else. Because now you've just slandered someone to a person who's not even a part of the situation. Mm -hmm. You've just completely destroyed somebody's character and this other person's view of somebody in the name of, uh, in the name of, I just got to get this out. Like, yeah. no, no, your life will be so much easier and so much more peace-filled if you don't say that out loud and you just take it to God. 
So you mean you mean take to tell it to me? prayer because God is the one who is going to give you the peace that surpasses all understanding, yeah, you not your friend at the coffee shop. God is the one who is going to give you peace in your spirit and peace over the situation. Your friend sitting across from you, across the phone, whatever, has no supernatural ability to bring peace and restoration and reconciliation to that situation. The God of the universe and the Creator of all things, come on, somebody, is the only one. Who can do that? And you're not, you might feel temporary relief as you are releasing your anger, but at the end of that conversation, you're going to feel exactly the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think Jesus gives us so many examples of this and the way that Jesus uses words. When I think about the woman who's caught in adultery, Mm. what you literally find is. Jesus literally using his words to not only speak grace into her life and to speak grace over her life, but to speak truth into her life yeah, and to speak truth over her life. So Jesus protects her right to live by saying to all the people, yo, like you've all sinned. So let the one who hasn't sinned, like cast the first stone. Mm-hmm. But then Jesus, you keep reading that text. He's going to tell that woman like, Hey, go and sin no more. Like, go and don't be a part of sin. But in Jesus speaking truth to that woman, he doesn't demean her. He doesn't dehumanize her. He doesn't take away from her humanity, but he speaks truth to her at the same time. And I think what's important about that is, like, in that situation, Jesus didn't go over to Peter and, like, have a side conversation with Peter or a side conversation with the disciples and give his, like, unfiltered thoughts about that woman before he said that to her. Like Jesus said that to her. And I think the reality like of our societal moment is like social media gives us license to say whatever we want about anything without any direct consequences, without any direct consequences. Like the homie Taylor, like I was talking to him the other day and he was talking about keyboard warriors and, and the homie Taylor is like a. He's a zealot. If there was a, if there was a zealot, <laughs> the modern equivalent. He's a modern equivalent of a zealot. And he's like, yeah, man. I don't know if there's any keyboard warriors in the kingdom of God. I was like, oh, bro. But like, the reality is, like, what the homie's trying to say is like very true. The reality is, like, if you say things on social media that you wouldn't say to someone in real life, mm-hmm. then you're being what they would call like in the first century, like a play actor or i.e. a hypocrite like Mm -hmm. and that's that's dehumanizing people and i think as we get back into like what Corey was talking about earlier like it's easy to do that it's easy to do that to people we don't know it's easy to do that to Mm -hmm. celebrities and treat them like they're not people i think at the at the risk of at the risk of putting myself out there and getting and getting too real i i feel the conviction on this subject when it comes to um, the friendships and relationships that I have built based on the horrible way we talk to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, listen, like I am, I am, I am captain. I like to, I like to cut up, cut up with the homies, right? Like you say something out of pocket, I'm lighting you up. Like you say a, an opinion or whether it's on sports or fashion or whatever, on uh, something I don't agree with, I'm lighting you up. Like I, I have whole relationships that are, that are devoted to us just talking crazy to each other. And 
I think that over the last several years, especially, I've become a lot more convicted about those because, well, first of all, how is it going to look when the same, like, the same voice that they hear poke fun of the thing that you're actually secretly insecure about is then the same voice that's preaching to you about Jesus on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that gets me, right? Or, you know, the same the same voice that uh that tears you down unintentionally so when nobody around you realizes how hard of a time you're going through is then what the same voice you're supposed to look to as an example of like what an encouragement the words of the gospel can be and that's just not from my standpoint as a pastor that should be that should be us period right in that And that the reality is like there comes a point where even in your relationships were like built into the foundation of those is to talk is to talk smack to each other. There comes a point where, you know, I don't know if anybody will will say it or not, but like, yo, your homies actually don't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Like your homies don't appreciate that all the time. Like, I don't know if I don't know, like who needs to hear that and like. You know, who who's never thought about that before? But like, nah, he doesn't care. He knows da 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 da. Like, no. He does. They like do. he does care. And he doesn't know that you actually do care. Especially if all you ever do is dog them and you don't actually also communicate that you do care. And that's like I mean, that's me. That's been me. And it's a and it's a tendency that I constantly have to remind myself of. Is like is like there. The, you can make jokes. I love to make people laugh, but not at the expense of what could be other people, other people's feelings. Because if we've learned anything over the last several years about like what people are going through, it's that we really have no idea, and a lot of I people do. aren't talking about it. And you know. Yeah, I've just come to a place where I've realized the way that even even the things that I say to somebody that I do love with a laugh doesn't make it any less impactful in a negative way uh, than if it was somebody that I was intentionally trying to tear down. Yeah, and I think like my understanding of like James chapter one is like in the last few years only exponentially grown to like be formed into what it is now. Yeah. Like when I sit in meetings with people now, when I'm slow to speak Mm. and quick to listen and slow to get angry, when I'm quick to speak, what happens is, I mean, goodness, let me get the quote in Jim college here. Like we all have chips. Like we all have chips of influence with people. And as a pastor, like, I get a bag of chips with people. And the reality is, like, every time I, like, say something wrong or do something wrong. Turn in some of those. I turn in some of those chips. And the reality is, like, it's much easier to spend those chips than it is to gain those chips. And the reality is, when I speak quick and when I speak out of turn and when I speak off of emotion and impulse, because I'm an ENFP and a feeler, (laughs) and when I speak, like, straight from my heart, of things I think are true in my heart that haven't passed my head. What happens is I can give up 10 years of hard work and good character and good influence in one statement. 
Yeah. And it can be completely gone. And that's why I believe James is saying, hey, like, be slow to speak. Yeah. Be slow to get angry. Like, you don't know what's going on in somebody. Be sl- like, be slow to get angry. Like, have grace and be quick to listen because I can't go wrong with listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, in listening and hearing. And you know what? Maybe I, like, get angry in my journalism, praying with God. That's what lament is for. I'm able to get angry. I'm able to end that space. Yeah. Really, truly process he can it. Take it. He can take it. He can take it. He can. Mm-hmm. But that other person in that moment, like, yeah. I they ne- shouldn't have yeah. to take it. Yeah. What I've been learning is I never. That's why in meetings, in meetings now, you get unless I'm leading it, you get very little from like. I'll speak when necessary, but for real, for real, yeah, you can't get any of my chips from listening. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I can't expend influence. Because man, it's hard to gain influence, and it is e- it's so easy to, to lose it. it. <laughs> you know, at the risk of uh, derailing this whole conversation, oh boy, um, something something I've been thinking about lately. Because you know, a f- by the time this airs, it'll be a couple weeks ago. But a couple weeks ago, we had Easter, and something that stood out to me so much in uh, the story of Jesus' trials. Right. So they come and they get him in the Garden of Gethsemane and then he goes to these illegal trials and it says there's a bunch of religious leaders present and you see them trying to find people willing to say lies against Jesus so that they can crucify him. And then, um, you know, they eventually decide they're going to and then they start smacking Jesus and spitting on him and like treating him so disrespectfully. And All I could think in reading that this year was was Nicodemus there. Because Nicodemus was a leader, and Nicodemus had one of the most intimate and one of the longest conversations recorded in Scripture with, with Jesus. And, and Nicodemus is there at the crucifixion because Nicodemus helps find the tomb to bury Jesus. So was Nicodemus there? Because if he was, he was silent. And the two times that the tongues of other people have hurt me the most— was in the things they've said and in the silence of my friends. Mm. And so it just makes me think like we, ha- we have to be so smart and so wise and so discerning in when and how we choose to speak. And I just read, I, I, I was reading that account this year and I just could not help asking the question, was Nicodemus there? Because Nicodemus had to revere Jesus, right? He had that conversation with him in John 3. The most famous verse almost in all of Scripture is spoken to Nicodemus. And then Nicodemus helped honorably bury the Messiah. And so was he there? Because he didn't speak up. He had, if, he, if he was there, he had an opportunity to speak up on the injustice happening to Jesus, on what he believed about who Jesus yeah, was. Because he was being tried by his peers, right, is what you're saying. Right, like he had an opportunity to make, an, make a positive impact if he was there. Maybe he wasn't. I have no idea because it's not recorded. Hmm. And so it just makes me think about like our silence can sometimes cause just as much pain as our words. 
mm. if it's used improperly. Yeah, that's so good, Rachel. And I think the question is, how do we discern when it's time to speak and when it's time to be silent? Like, we're slow to speak, but when is, like, that time that we, like, slowly speak? And I think to look at Jesus is to look at Jesus doing a few things. Like, when Jesus speaks, Jesus is speaking life more often than not. Like more often than not, Jesus is speaking life. And when Jesus is speaking rebuke and when Jesus is speaking challenge, Jesus is speaking up for people. Like he's speaking up for people or he's sticking up for the ways of the kingdom of God. But Jesus isn't just like speaking death for the sake of speaking death. And even as Jesus is challenging, he's not speaking death. He's actually speaking life as he's challenging. Mm -hmm. I think another thing to look at is when Jesus is speaking, Like, Jesus is using God's word, like, over and over and over again. As Jesus is out in the wilderness and he's being tempted by Satan, like, Jesus is using God's word. As Jesus is on the cross, like, to look at the seven last sayings of Jesus is to literally look at a bunch of scriptures. Mm -hmm. Like, if you ever studied that, all you're going to do is find yourself, like, in the Psalms and in the prophets as Jesus, in his last moments, are quoting, like, Mm -hmm scripture as he's in pain on the cross jesus is going to say like hey you've heard it said this but i say this jesus's starting point as he's redefining and reconstructing the law of moses is going to be literally the law of moses like the scripture so he's going to start with that and i think a surefire way to know that we are not speaking death to people is for our speech to be permeated in the scripture like for our speech to follow the scripture. So when we're encouraging and when we're challenging, like it's always a safe bet to like speak from the scriptures. Like John Calvin says, the language of the Holy spirit is the Holy scriptures. Mm-hmm. So, right. You know, like you're with the spirit and you're speaking. All right. So that finishes up our trilogy, the permissible versus beneficial trilogy here. Um, so listen, I hope that, I hope that something from today's conversation is helpful to you as you are finding yourself um, in conversations just with with your friends, with people at, at your work, with wherever it is that you find yourself, because the things that you say have an impact and influence on the people around you. You know, like James said in the very beginning, that, that statement is bogus. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a lie. That is a lie. And so I hope that I hope that something in our conversation today is a little bit helpful for you, maybe leaves you thinking a little bit and gives you something new to put into practice. All right, so we'll be back in two weeks. Bless up. Bless up.